Mark. 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 Hey, everybody. Mark. Good to see all your smiling faces all in your places. <laughs> Welcome to On the Mark Sports Talk with your host, Mark, with a C, and our 52nd official show. And 52 weeks makes our one-year anniversary. We did it. Congratulations hey. to people who have been with us for one year. One year. We started this a year ago. Can you imagine that? Thanks for attending. And uh, keep on rolling with us each week. Wow. So we, we said we, this is a special, special show. And we'll make it as special as possible. Give me a minute here. Okay. Um, some of you guys came up with these themes and we decided to go with it. But before we go with the themes, we want to do our special one year birthday anniversary candle and blow them all out. So if you are prepared, you may take out your candles. You may oh, take out your cupcake or piece of cake or whatever you're putting them in. <laughs> Someone said an English muffin <laughs> or a single uh -huh. candle, whatever. And, you, and let's light it right now. We ready? Let's light it. And we're going to blow them out in a second. Blow it out that out. And you can show it to the screen that it's lit if you have one. Wait, I see Steve's. I see Joe. Nobody else has. All right, thank you very much for coming. Congratulations to Alan. Very good. And Larry, of course. And let's all blow them out and think about the last year, what we've been doing. Thank you very much for playing and being a part of uh, history. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. What do you get for year one? Hey, it's a, it's, it's a group. It's a group. There's a picture of a, of a candle. What's that? A memorial candle? What is that? Michael, what is it? Uh, what does it say? The scented it's, memorial. Yeah, it doesn't say. It's... Uh, Quick Candle Company. <laughs> Just congratulations, everybody, because it's a group thing. Okay. So for this show, we decided to yes. myself mute unless you can wait a minute in the background. Somebody. That guy from Jersey. Torres just had a three run homer. No, double. Oh, double. 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 All right. Oh, Let's get back to the show here, boys. Okay? So <laughs> we decided to uh, come up with three themes. And uh, they just to review, what are some of your personal achievements in sports, if any? <laughs> yeah. Who are your childhood idols in sports, if you had any, and Why? And what brought you into sports, whatever sport it is, and how did you get involved in sports, either as a participant or a viewer? So you are allowed to answer all three or one or whatever if you want to participate in, 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 the, uh, in the event. 
and uh, I'm sure some of you have. And what I'd like to do is go around the, uh, the board, like we did a couple of weeks ago, like we did a couple of weeks ago. I'll put you, pull your name out of the hat and you can give us one of whatever you have. And then once we go around, we'll come back to you again and you give us something else in any order you want to give us. All right, so if you have nothing, just say pass or I don't have anything, which is fine too, okay? So we're gonna start with, looks like Howie. Howie, you're first. All right, what is this again? Pick another name. This is the cooking, the cooking show. Let me let me come back. <laughs> you get a zero so far. You need to work that off, buddy. Oh, great. Alan, great. Alan you're up. Okay. So, uh, to start with, uh, I was a very, very fast runner. And I learned that as early as like 10 years old. Um, I was in the Cub Scouts, I think, and there was another boy, and there were races, and we came in exactly even, dead heat, and they gave me the gold cup, and they gave him the silver, because I was 10 years old, and he was 11 years old. So mm. he had a year on me, he still couldn't outrun me. Mm. Yes, we didn't know about that, that's cool. Yeah. I was fast. Thank you. Next up, I have Fred. Hey, well, I actually came to sports because my both my parents were very um, intense sports fans. My my father, except for hockey, absolutely hated hockey. Loved baseball, basketball, and football. And I got you know inculcated from sports from him and from my older brother who's seven years old big baseball fan and I, I remember in 1957 being thrilled that the week of the world series that i had the flu so i could stay home and watch the entire world series <laughs> okay that's it yep Good. short and sweet thank you very short. much uh stuart okay welcome to the show stuart <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'll try to, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing because everybody seems to be very short. Okay. It says, my interest in sports began when I was in elementary school. Our class would go outdoors to the school playground nearly, and nearly all the uh, boys would, in my class would choose upsides to play punch ball. Mm. The game is very similar to baseball, except the person who is up punches the ball instead of hitting the ball with a bat. There are no pitches or catches. The person who is up would get two strikes before being called out. If you hit a foul ball with one strike, you were out. If there were no, if there were men on base and the fielder was able to throw the ball home before a base runner reached home, the base runner would have to return to third base. All other base runner would have to return to whatever base they previously occupied. Whoever was leading when the teacher blew the whistle was the winning team. That's it. Wow. Very cool. That's one of mine too, by the way. Fun really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you want to say something? 
No, I said mine too. Mine's oh, really? Okay. Uh, we're up to Sharon. Do you have anything for us, Sharon, today? Um, it's a real shocker. My grandfather got me into baseball. I remember he used to listen to it. He used to fall asleep um, listening to the Brooklyn Dodgers on the radio. And um, my base, um, my uh, sports crush was uh, Pat LaFontaine when I was younger. I idolized him for some reason. The name. The Ranger fans, right? He also played on the Islanders. Not the Islanders. Yeah. He was Islanders. Yeah. I think the Sabers. Did he play for the Sabers too? No, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was a captain on the Sabers. Wow. Yeah. Hi, Gerald. Thank you, Sharon. Gerald, you're up. My favorite sport growing up was baseball. My brother was four years older than me. He introduced me actually to stickball. And even though I was four years his junior, I was allowed to participate in his stickball games. And we had all kinds of crazy rules. We played in a playground where there was no left field or center field. There was only right field. We had all kinds of rules and regulations. And believe it or not, I was a catcher without a mask. And even though we used a pensy pinky, catching could be very hazardous if there was a foul ball that, that hit your face. So I, I enjoyed stickball. Punchball was a sport I liked a, a lot. And he also got involved in tennis, racquetball, and uh, uh, several other sports. And, of course, my first love in baseball Brooklyn Dodgers lived and died with the Dodgers. Right. Absolutely, my go-to team. I did. Uh, I did play some basketball, but primarily baseball. Never got into hockey. Never got involved in football. Oh, okay. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we moved to Queens at the age of twelve. When the Dodgers moved in 1958, they broke my heart. I was a Pittsburgh Pirate fan for about four years until the Mets were born. I used to listen to the Pirate games out of the Wheeling, West Virginia feed on the radio. WWVA. WWVA. Exactly. Bob Prince. Bob Prince. Blue in a blast. The Green Meanie. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Uh, Steve Frost, I have you. Yeah, for me, I mean, my dad was always a, a diehard Yankee fan, but where we lived, there was an alleyway on, on one of the streets, and all of us would just go there and we'd play baseball. Well, we 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 pitch, but it was with a Penzi Pinky or a Spaldine, and we'd play all day long. And then when it got cold, in that alleyway, we'd play football. And it was just like we played all day long. And then when we got older, that was when I was like five, six. By the time we were seven or eight, we were in the street playing on the avenues, which were much had much less traffic than the streets. And we would just play all day long. So it was like a natural thing. And where were you? Where was that? Flushing. Flushing. Oh, in Queens. Like, yeah. Like me. Right off Union Turnpike. But Steve, Steve Frost and I were neighbors on the same block 
for I think 19 years. We stayed yeah. there for 19 years with the neighbors. He lived on one end of the block. I was on the other end of the block. Yeah, I went from being one block from Union, two blocks from Union Turnpike to being one block from Union Turnpike. <laughs> uh, All right, thank you for that. Brings back memories. Flushing. I'm a Flushing boy too, as a kid. Uh, Joe. Oh, okay. Well, there's lots of things, but I'll, uh, you know, a punch ball. Punch ball. I went moved to Queens in uh, 1952 when I was about nine years old. And I used to play punch ball in the schoolyard at uh, PS 175. And when I got to the sixth grade, I was finally strong enough to hit it over the fence. That was the only way you could get a home run in punch ball. Uh, needless to say, in the seventh grade, we moved down the block to Halsey Junior High, which had a much bigger field and the fence was much further out. And I only had warning track power. <laughs> a story, the story of my That's life. Like they dead, they dead in the ball. <laughs> they didn't dead in the ball, no. Baldeans <laughs> for 25 cents. Yep. 30 cents. We use Baldeans. <laughs> I used to hit my father up for Spaldeans every day, practically. <laughs> they don't make <laughs> they them down the way they used to. If you've seen the brand new Spaldeans, they don't make them the way they used to. No, no. no that's right. And they're not 25 cents anymore. No. <laughs> uh, of course, now. Bunch ball, bunch ball. Uh, I brought my name up here, so I don't mind me going, okay? So my uh, personal achievement I have a few achievements in my life. You don't need one I'll, I'll always remember, and I tell this story so many times, and of course, Howie can relate to this because he was there. Howie, you were there back in uh, April 12th, 1968. <laughs> we were at the uh, Douglaston Golf Course <laughs> at a hole-in-one. <laughs> wow. And I went team. and got the article. <laughs> <laughs> which they put in <laughs> Long Island Press. The paper is completely yellow now, but there's a little blurb, and I'll read this little blurb, but it really was a highlight. And uh, Mark Old, and they spelled it with a C, joined the hole-in-one club at Douglaston Park, pro Mal Galetta Jr. announced. Young Mark, because I was 18 at the time, young Mark dropped a five iron into the cup, at 140 yard, 14th, while playing with these names will bring back memories. Fred Schoenfeld, right? right? Uh, Howie Sonnenreich. Oh yeah. Remember him? That's... Howard Spinner. Very <laughs> I think I recall. And, uh, so we got your name in the paper, and that was <laughs> I think three years ago. So out of everyone on this screen. I know how we the, the longest out of all this time. And we remember that. I remember it like it, it happened yesterday. I was on a hill. There was a water. Water. I took my worst ball out because I knew I'm putting the ball in the little uh, lake, the creek, whatever they had there. Cleared it. And uh, the people ahead of us, because we were par threes, waved us on. They said, you can please take your shots, your first shots. And there were some sand traps i remember around the uh the green the ball cleared the green and it rolled into the hole oh. and i ran down the hill i was so excited that was my number one uh 
sports memory. Very, why'd, you, why'd, you shoot for the, why'd you shoot for the round? No, I don't know, but you know what? <laughs> I have to give you a keychain. <laughs> Some people get $50,000 on TV, <laughs> a, a brand new car. They gave me a keychain. They put my name in the paper. I still have the memory. And I'm sure I have the, the, um, the card. Scorecard. Scorecard in the golf cart, which is somewhere in the attic. <laughs> you still Roger. got the cart? What? Roger. What was that? Still got the cart? I believe it's in the golf cart. Yeah. <laughs> 53. Roger, you go. Okay. Uh, as, as you know, my namesake is, uh, is Roger Maris. My dad was a big baseball fan. The, the funny yeah. thing is he grew up in Brooklyn, and I think all his family and relatives, they all rooted for the Dodgers. And I think just yeah. to be different, you know, to maybe rub them the wrong way. He said, oh, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. And it just, I guess it just kind of kind of started from that. Um, like Giuliani. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny, you know, just, you know, just, you know, being difficult, whatever, you know. But uh, I'm one of three boys. And, uh, you know, being three boys and with a lot of energy, you know, Pop was always taking us, you know, whether to hit, you know, hitting the ball to us, fungoing, or get us up six in the morning to play tennis or something like that. Or, I mean, he's always had to, you know, try to tire us out, you know, because we always had a lot of energy and stuff like that. So, for me, it was always, I don't know, whether it was just from collecting baseball cards, numbers always seemed like they were my friend, you know, just always like numbers, you know, I would make my own scorecards if I was watching a bowl game or something like that, keeping track. I mean, it was always it was always something games in the neighborhood whether it was pick up football pick up basketball I mean, it was always always you know a lot of kids growing up in the neighborhood so it was a lot of you know my age my brother's ages we had people in the backyard all the time I mean you know I guess different uh, suburbs versus I don't know Ron you've told stories about sliding onto the uh, you know the black you know the blacktop and home plate I didn't have those kind of memories you know, a little more grass in the suburbs than uh, yeah you know growing up in Queens and stuff I grew up in New Jersey so it was a little it was a little different but. Uh, I mean, those are, those are some kind of the fun memories. Fun memories. All right, uh, Stephen uh, Levine. All right. Well, <clears throat> the interesting thing happened when I was like nine years old. I was I lived in Norbeth, Pennsylvania, and the best baseball team in the area was in Conshohocken. <laughs> the thing was. My name didn't go along with the other names of the team. So I was like a ringer in a league. But they tried, they wanted me to play for them. I played first base. And I, we went, uh, when we were 12, we went to, like uh, not Williamsburg, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I forget. But we lost. And we, we were in a little, uh, little World Series game. We had wow. a great team. And one of the guys from that team was drafted by the Chicago Cubs as a second baseman, Roger Stompo. Oh, for the Dodgers. Wow. Number 12. Really? Wow. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Danny. Yes, hi. I have to unmute myself. Sorry. Anyway, where do I start? Um, <laughs> As a kid, my mother taught me to swim when I was like five, six years old. But she was a swimmer in her younger days. Not anymore, she's 102 now. But anyway, um, that progressed that within the uh, uh, Jewish clubs in Argentina, we used to have swim meets and I always used to 
you know, swimming races, always breaststroke. We came to the United States in eighth grade in an intramural type of situation at Great Neck South High School. Uh, I swam so fast that the, the swimming coach pulled me out of the swimming, swimming uh, uh, intramural swimming and put me right on the swimming team. That was in eighth grade. In 10th grade, well, I was swimming in varsity. In ninth grade, in eighth grade, I wasn't allowed to swim in varsity. I was able to swim along in the meets, but wasn't allowed to swim for points. You had to earn a certain number of points in order to be awarded your letter. So I got my swimming letter from Great Neck South in 10th grade. That year, also, the Great Neck South swimming team surprised the entire uh, Long Island swimming high school communities by winning the Long Island championship against two of the toughest teams that were there, which were um, Long Beach High School and also Plainview High School, which later on became Kennedy Plainview High School. They were really tough teams. And we won that championship. And that was in swimming. I'm very proud of the fact that I got my letter. I was looking for it. I can't find it. I do have it in one of my drawers in my office. But it's, a, it's pretty big, about 10 inches in diameter, a big G, red, with a, with a blue uh, um, uh, uh, trim, and, and needless to say, it says south on it and, and, and a swimmer on the bottom. You know, we, we were very proud of that, uh, that particular achievement. But throughout that time, also, I was in the Boy Scouts. And in the Boy Scouts, we used to have uh, in, intra, um, in, intra troop uh, 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 swimming meets. And there I won several medals, silver and gold medals in that. So I'm very proud of that. You know, part of the issue was also that I couldn't participate in certain sports that I really liked, but I follow all the sports uh, because of my eyesight. And then here in the United States, I really, you know, I've always liked to be able to excel in something. Uh, I couldn't play, play baseball or anything like that. I played soccer when I was in Argentina as a kid. But then I found bowling. And there was a bowling was not something that my eyesight did not interfere with my ability. And I liked it and I was able to excel in it. Uh, my high game uh, came somewhere in the mid-1970s. Mid, uh, I think it was March 75 or something like that. And I had a 288. That was my highest game ever. And uh, my best finish in a tournament was a traveling league. Uh, not league, really. Traveling tournaments that used to be called the... Uh, uh, the Keglers, the Kegler Bowlers. Best I ever did was sixth place. I'm really pretty proud of my accomplishments along those lines. I never really developed any particular hero uh, in, in in any sport, but I did grow here in the United States as being a uh, a classic New York sports fan. In other words, uh, Yankees and Giants. I have friends that are Yankees and Jets, which I never understood. And then, of course, Knicks and Rangers, you know. Uh, one of the most exciting years in hockey for me was when the Rangers won the Cup with Messier. You know, it was just absolutely amazing memory that particular year. But otherwise, I follow all particular sports. Okay. That's a nutshell of my... Just real quick, real quick. what was your stroke? What was your... Um... Breaststroke. Breaststroke. Right. The odd part about it is that I also tried out for the, um, I was on the, on, the, um, uh, on the field team, you know, track and field. 
And, and there I was what they call now a long jumper. But in those days, they used to call it a broad jumper. So here I was in high school, I was a broad jumper and a breaststroker. How about the, the triple jumper, you know, the hop step and the jump? So the triple jump, I never tried. But then I had to, I had to quit the broad jump because uh, one day of practice, I developed like shin splints. It was the most painful thing I ever had in my life. Because the career. And, that's, and that was it. Okay, thank you for that. Good, good info there. Thank Mike. You. Okay, uh, I grew up in the Bronx and uh, all the relatives, a lot of the relatives lived like within a two block radius. And my uncles and my aunts and my cousins, and they were always arguing baseball. They loved the Giants. They hated the Dodgers. They thought that Jackie Robinson was arrogant and all the things that uh, you can hate a ball player like Jackie Robinson, they hated Jackie Robinson. They loved Willie Mays. So I don't know if it's that racial, but they uh, were Giant fans. And the arguments were so darn crazy, it's unbelievable. I remember my cousin High and my uncle Dick are arguing over why black players stop hitting when they hit like 35, 40 years old, and they say that their eyes would burn out. So I said, geez, what are you, what are you talking about? But that's the type of crazy thing uh, I used to grow <laughs> up with, with the Giants. And what happened was, I recall very vividly in 1955, I don't know if anybody knows this, but at 7 o'clock on Channel 4, Roy Rogers used to go on. And I used to watch Roy Rogers. And uh, after a while, of course, the repeats came on. And back in those days, the double headers would start at two o'clock. And by seven o'clock, the uh, second game was still like in the eighth inning and ninth inning. And my dad put on the games. So because there were, there were repeats on uh, Roy Rogers, I started to watch the Yankee games. And back in those days, in 1955, you had Mantle, you had Barra, you had all of those ball players, And I fell in love. And uh, Mickey is my idol, and he always will be. And even though if I ever met him and I say, hey, Mickey, how you doing? I'd want to shake his hand, probably say, fuck you. But I still would always love Mickey Mantle. Um, my two uh, greatest accomplishments, my, my two most memorable accomplishments in sports was, number one, I was at PS31, and I was playing stickball, and two guys came over, and they were two of the best-known athletes in all the base at high school and uh my friend bruce and i played against them and all of a sudden i must have really had something and i was pitching strike <laughs> strike and uh as the game went on it was zero zero and around the seventh inning i hit a home run and i actually one hit them and we won one to nothing with me hitting the uh home run to win the game so that was one and the other one was at olympic bowling lanes yeah. I was uh, a very crappy bowler, and I went bowling with my dad, who was in the league. He was averaging about 179. And I know I had a lot of Brooklyn strikes, but as I kept on playing, I ended up uh, getting over the 200, and I kept on staring at my dad, who was keeping score, and I've never seen him in such a state of astonishment. And uh, that was my only 200 game, and uh, that's one of the highlights. And uh, that that's basically the story, my, my childhood memory, my childhood uh, most uh, memorable ball player, of course, was Mickey Mantle. Okay. I guess that's everything. All right. We gave us everything. We wanted just one, but okay. So <laughs> we're going to board again. You won't be able to. Ron, you go. Oh, my turn? Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, going back to 1975, as a junior in Flushing High School, being named to the starting baseball and basketball team that year, which was uh, I thought was pretty good. Wow. And one particular at bat that 
stands out in my mind. If anybody's familiar with Memorial Field in Flushing off of 149th Street. Sure thing. Okay. Well, if they had a short right field fence, sort of, and but the left field fence was like forever. And I remember one at bat in my junior year where the guy gave me an inside fastball. I think it was against Bayside, as a matter of fact. And I turned on the fastball and I put it over the left fielder's head, two bounces to the wall. And, you know, it, it wound up being a triple. So that was uh, one of my accomplishments that I remember the most. And one other thing about that baseball team, in, I was on the team 75 and 76. We actually, in 1976, from that team, we had three players drafted to the major leagues. And one was actually in the major leagues for about five years, as some of you know that. I know Mark knows it. I think Mark, you have his baseball yeah. cards. <laughs> Something. Of Dave Van Olen. Yeah, exactly. So mm. we're that, that, we, keep, we keep trying to get him on the show. Yeah, he, I, I've spoken to him. He's very shy. So, he, but uh, he's, he's a great guy, but he, he played, he was actually dra drafted by the Mets in 1976, but then he was traded to the Cardinals and that's where he, uh, he came up with the Cardinals. He played for them and some other, a couple of other teams. Okay. Thank you on that. Milton, you have some stories for us? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I grew up in Bayside playing softball, punch ball, stick ball. You know, in all the schoolyards, but I didn't take up tennis till my late twenties when I moved out here. And I play tennis in all the parks around here. And one day, the two guys that had won the Nassau County Men's Doubles Championship three years in a row saw me play. They says, "Why don't you get a partner and me? Let's play a game." So I get a hold of another dentist, an orthodontist. And we go to play under the viaduct in Roslyn. And in the warm-up, these guys are hitting the ball so hard. I tell my partner, why don't we just split up? You play with one up. I'm scared. I don't want to get hurt. You know, I'm going uh, where I can't go to work and do dentistry. He yeah. says, no, Milt, let's just play him. Come on, just play him. What could happen? Anyway, these we go out and we play these guys in Roslyn and we beat them three sets in a row. They never played together again as a doubles team. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can look back on certain moments. It's just one dot in history. And it, it, it meant so much at the time when you really think what it really meant, not that much, but at that point. And one other time, this person had his own court uh, and that's when I was still playing singles. I could, I would probably lose to this guy 20 times in a row, but we're playing on his home court. He had his own pro there with a million lessons. It's 90 something degrees out. I'm playing this guy even in singles, one set. I wouldn't play more than that. The last point, the guy comes charging the net, which is you're supposed to do. I lost the ball over the guy's head. Good. which he had no chance of going back for. I beat him in singles. I probably never would beat him again. I told him, don't call me again. It's just not worth it. I was just wiped out. But again, certain things you could look back at 
And, you know, one moment in time, you know, I did win some mixed doubles tournaments, but nothing major. Anybody wants to play tennis, we always have an opening. Any of you guys play. Okay. And uh, that's it. I grew up as a Yankee fan, believe it or not. And then the Mets fan, Yankees just lost. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, Mickey Mantle was my favorite player. And Tom Seaver. So he was with the Orioles. Okay. Thank you on that. Uh, Larry, we haven't heard from you. No, I have um, it's a little different. First of all, I, I grew up, I thought I grew up on the Lower East Side, but it turned out that the Lower East Side northern border was Houston Street, and, and I grew up one block later on 2nd Street, 157 East 2nd Street. When I was a kid and in the late, late 40s, beginning of uh, early 50, there were two cars on the entire block, and so we could play stickball in the street. And we played the fungo stickball, no pitching, you put the ball up, you swung. And I, I had a special title, uh, SOA, I was called, which could be translated into, I was a strikeout artist. Very rarely hit the ball. Therefore, if there were an odd number of players, I, I was the one that wasn't playing that day. But one day, I get an opportunity, I am... Two sewers back, if you remember, that's how you <laughs> ran. You ran a sewer in back. Yeah. I'm playing out in the field. A guy smacks a ball, unbelievable. I jump up, put my hands up, and the ball falls into my hand. I didn't even know it was there, and I had a famous catch, and that's my story of stickball. One famous catch. That's it. And I'm doing just one story, not like everyone else. One story. That's it. Thank you. Howie, we're coming back to you. You have anything? Okay. Okay. Well, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, and we would play, you know, punch ball, stick ball, uh, two-hand touch. Uh, we'd play, uh, you know, basketball, everything. But uh, on our block, when growing up, if we didn't, you know, if we couldn't leave the block when we were younger, we we'd go into our, our side yards, and and the, the block that I grew up in, the houses were these uh, two-family, uh, semi-attached car houses, these narrow driveways in between, where a car would go in, and you then go to you'd share your garages be very narrow I don't know how people put up with it they did anyway we would play what we called then Chinese handball I know um, it's not politically correct to yes. say that yeah yeah but we used to play you couldn't too. play handball because it was so narrow so we we <laughs> these these drivers would be long and so we take chalk out and we measure equidistant boxes and you stand in your boxes and uh, if I remember correctly the chalk would go even up on the wall mm -hmm. and you play Chinese yep. handball and uh, you and keep bounce playing first. Bounce first right. and then hit the wall bounce right. first hit the we wall mm -hmm. and it would go into your other boxes 
and you keep a limit. It would they would keep going until everyone would be eliminated. So there'd be just two, and then you know you'd start again. Uh, but that was the uh, first team sport that I remember yeah. we, we played. Okay, thank you. That's also played yeah. Ace King Queen, right? King they, Jack. They, yep. Yeah. Chinese yeah. Ace. Yeah. I remember that too, Howie, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Michael Chinese Sample. Michael Kane. Oh, <laughs> I mean, nothing. I have nothing uh, that's uh, of any great consequence. The irony is, I grew up from the time I was two or three already. I was a sports fan. I had one side of my family that's all they talked about. So I got a lot of st old stories, and um, even like you know, last week I think someone mentioned the Newark Bears, which was a Yankee um, minor league team, and I remember m my uncle talking. They had they had players that were better. They could be at most of the major league teams. Uh, they could be losing. Ninth inning comes and boom, boom, and the game is over. Two home runs, and that was what it was about. But you know, me, it was just a matter of memories of bicycling and um, and and stickball, even hopscotch. There was a lot of hopscotch. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, swimming, yeah. swimming, and running. I ran in high school, but I wasn't of no. No great, um, no again, no great consequence. I enjoyed everything, but I particularly, I didn't have any great prowess in anything. But I, I knew everything, you know. I knew all the statistics, and um, I grew up being a Mano fan, like others, others here, and a Yankee fan. But I was pretty eclectic. I mean, I, I liked Arnold Palmer, and I liked Secretariat. So that's my, my, my. If I if I were to claim any heroes today, I mean, as kids, you know, you these are the people who you idolize. But um, I guess knowing what I know now, um, you know, my interests are, are I'm I'm more interested in the um, in the, those in sports who go beyond statistics and beyond um, writers and other. You know, I've been able to establish a couple of relationships with athletes and. Uh, and journalists over, over the years, which has been nice, but um, just really, you know, growing up the typical kid who was interested in sports, but I didn't particularly have any mastery of anything. So it's, it's pretty boring story. <laughs> I'm sure it's not so boring. <laughs> Highlight to you. All right, we went around the board. Thank you, Mike. So uh, I'd like to go around again if you guys have more to add. So I'm picking up Roger's name first. Roger, do you have anything else to add to us? Yeah, I was trying to think of, uh, like Ron had that one, turning on the fastball there. I'm trying to remember. Um, went to sleepaway camp. I was probably maybe 12 or 13 years old. We had one of those inter-camp kind of games. We went to some other camp that was like killing us in whatever sport we were playing. And this was, I guess, the end of the day, we were playing them with softball, and I think we were losing – you know, like six to one. I, somehow I had a, an infield single. I didn't hit a home run. Um, I come up with the bases loaded and uh, I hit some long ball to center field and, you know, it goes over the guy's head. So, I mean, I think three runs score. We made, we made it close. I think I made it six to four. I got some guys singled me in and made it six to five. I mean, we had like the, the rest of the, the camp was like watching, you know, a lot of people, you know, so, you know, you felt like you were a big hero, even though we lost the game, but it was, you know, I had, had my moment in the sun there, I guess, a little bit, so. The things we remember, huh? <laughs> Way back. Way back. Uh, Ron, you have anything else to add? Sure. Okay, Idol. 
my idol, one of my idols. When when God wanted to make the most perfect jump shot in the history of basketball, <laughs> he made Jerry West. Uh, the man just had a picture perfect jump shot that everybody, everyone wants to emulate. And I just loved his, first of all, not only a great offensive player, but he was one of the best defensive players in the league too. And I just loved the way he played. That's why I became a Laker fan basically in uh, the late sixties. And he's, he's, he's the best. And I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, twice. Once he did a, um, at the uh, 92nd street Y he did a, he was his book. He just wrote his book and he was like talking about his book. And one funny story about it, we're waiting on line to get his autograph. And we had two books with us. And I, I was actually wearing a Jerry West jersey at the time. So somebody comes out with like three items signed. I says, is he signing more than one thing? He said, yeah, I'll sign whatever you want. Well, you don't know how fast I took that jersey off. <laughs> and had so I had that day I had two books signed and a jersey signed by him. Mm. So <laughs> the the man is my. You, you know, think they're worth something? Those signatures today. <laughs> could be. Could be. How old is he? He's in the eighties now. Yeah. yeah gotta be. Mm. Uh, Fred. Well, like a lot of other people, I really didn't have that many great personal accomplishments. But growing up, it was our neighborhood was all sports in Brooklyn, East, East Flatbush, PS 135 schoolyard, basketball, softball. I just always remember none of us, nobody in my circle ever played like Little League Baseball. We would get to the schoolyard, 18, 20 guys, we chip in 25 cents each, buy a softball from the rugby sports shop on Utica Avenue, play softball all day, then play basketball. The one sport I was good, I was very good stand-up shooter in basketball. And we had a night, and back then they had night centers, and they used to have like night center tournaments of teams in Brooklyn. I used to be the guy, first guy off the bench, like a John Starks, instant offense. And I, I just loved playing playing basketball and just playing all day. That was a whole summer. You, you didn't need to go to summer camp. You, you'd go over there and you'd play, play sports all day, and it was just a great time. Very good. Alan. Okay, so I I went with the seasons. So Mark, um, I was teeing off on a 420 yard hole. <laughs> you know, hell of a tee shot. Second approach shot was about three feet from the pin, and wow. that was one of my birdies. That was up in Massachusetts. I also had a birdie in Brooklyn, uh, Dyker Heights. Uh, if anybody oh. ever golfed. In Dyke Heights, um, Rangeline. I remember that as a kid, I started golf. I never took any lessons early when I was 15, 16. Anybody play on on um, Flatbush Avenue at the golf course there? The extension before you go over the Marine Park Bridge. Anybody know that? Yeah, the golf oh, okay. I don't know what's called. Yeah, I never played there, but I know. Okay. 508 yard hole, two shots. I'm on the green. Ooh. <laughs> so when I caught it, if I didn't, I sliced. <laughs> you know, but um, I would, 
in terms of uh, what do you call it? In terms of football, um, it's fun. Uh, we used to play at Marine Park. People must know Marine Park, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So um, I had a fr- I went to Brooklyn Tech. I had a friend. He said I have a football team. I said, well, I'll get the guys from my neighborhood. We went there. The next day, he comes up to me and says, you scored five touchdowns. I said, yeah. Well, I told you I was fast. I just ran. <laughs> I just ran. He got me the ball, end around, or I got a half a step. I got the ball. Forget it. Next. Very nice. <laughs> Joe, you have anything for us, Joe? Um, yeah. <laughs> during during the height of the revolution at Queens College in the late 60s, the ad hoc committee used to play softball across the street in one of the schoolyards at Pominock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And during one of the games, oh, I played yeah. shortstop, even though I was lefty. And I remember, you know, I remember a line drive hit over my head and I reached up and I grabbed it. Greatest moment ever in fielding for me. Weren't many, but that was the one I still remember. I was going to say. <laughs> what? Oh, you're a lefty. A lefty, a lefty. yeah. But, you know, it was a revolution. <laughs> wow. What the ball. <laughs> Steve Frost, you have something else for us? Yeah. We're not, you know, I, I played for our um, Jewish Census basketball team. Israel sent the Vilchrist Manor, as we called it, Itchum. And now I normally... ICCJ. Now they have a different name. ICCJ. Yeah. But I, I seldom really got to play much. But one time I got to stop because there was a bar mitzvah and three of the starters weren't there. And I had a really good game. I scored 31 points. And yet... The game came down. I got fouled. I hit the first free throw. I missed the second free throw. And their center got the ball, threw it down to their guard, who was all the way down court. And we lost the game by one point. Oh. Oh. But, and then I got benched because they said I should have, once I let go of the shot, I should have gone back on defense, which (laughs) seems a little hard to tell. Of course, of course. But, um, that was the one time where. Thank you. Gerald, you have anything else for us? I think you're muted. Muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. A couple of things. In 1962, we had a foul shooting contest in the evening center of junior, at that time it was Junior High School 74 in Oceana Street in Bayside. And I won the foul shooting contest, and Larry Bernoth presented oh, me with the uh, with, with the winning prize. That, that was one of my highlights. St. John's. Also, also, my my life growing up as a kid until I was about twelve or thirteen years old revolved around the Brooklyn Dodgers. So I remember two things very distinctly: when I was five years old. 1951. I didn't understand everything that was going on, but there were a lot of people around me who were very sad. And I think that was right after the Dodgers lost the playoffs to the Giants. The second thing that I remember very vividly about the Dodgers 
1955, the year in which they won their only World Series. And in that regard, my two heroes were Duke Snyder and Johnny Padres for winning the seventh game of the World Series. God bless them. God bless them. He was mine. Snyder was my hero. Absolutely. Number Duke. four. Number four is, is, in my, is in my email address. I wonder if you're if you were born four or five years later, you would have a different story. Probably so. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Sharon, do you have anything else to add to us? Sharon. I remember in camp I used to love playing um what got me into sports is playing the sports at camp. Um I was like number one playing tennis. I learned how to swim at camp and I would be under the water doing a bunch of laps. I used to swim the length of a pool underwater and I still do it now. I love soccer and uh, softball. I was on the softball team in uh, junior high and uh, volleyball team. So I enjoyed all kinds of sports. Good for you, good for you. Uh, my name came up here again. So another memory or something that was a highlight in mine was when I played baseball for Adelphi University, which was, uh, I played in the, uh, in the late 60s when I was a freshman and a uh, sophomore. And Adelphi was a big baseball team in those days. They used to go to Florida and play, you know, when the... Um, for training preseason um, exhibition before the season would start. Uh, I didn't make one of those trips, but I was on the team and uh, I, I played until my sophomore year. And then I, I did pretty good. I played the outfield, held my own. And then I was playing basketball one day in the gym. I went up for a rebound and came down and tore ligaments in my ankle. <laughs> Mm. So, you know, when you come up and come down, you don't hear anything. You just have the pain. One of the oh. teachers came running out from the office. They said they heard a snap. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it was my ankle. That ended Ouch. my career. Oh. <laughs> Is that what got you into becoming um, a gym teacher? Well, there's another story about that. I can do that a little later, but it's called a phys ed teacher, not a gym teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very physical, Mark. Stuart, to give you some time. Stu. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I was into, uh, my biggest thing was always running. Uh, like I started, decided in like 1977 to give a shot to like long distance running. So I started training, like running like a mile each time and gradually adding more to it. By 1980, I decided to apply to the New York Roadrunners Club for the New York Marathon. Mm. I kept training. Uh, I did 16 miles once before the race, and then I said, well, hopefully I'm ready. And then, the ra and then I ran the race, and in 1980 was the first time I completed it. Wow, wow. that's impressive. Very and nice. Nice. I, did it, I ran again. Did it second time, and then 1984, I ran Flushing Meadows. Um, they have a, the three Chinmoy Marathon. 1984, I did that, so I ran three marathons, and then I did oh. Corporate Challenge a couple of times in Central Park. That's great. We, we learned great. about you. We never knew. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Michael, you have anything else, Michael uh, F? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> two two memories. Actually, 
has nothing to do with any of my sports prowess. But I have two great memories. Uh, number one, I was in the Long Island Press Softball League. And uh, we didn't have that bad a team, but we just couldn't win. So one season, we had a record of about 0 and 13. And <laughs> we were at Alley Pine Park. And for some reason, we only showed up with eight guys. So the umpire comes over to us and says, listen, guys, walk around. If you cannot find a player, I'll give you about 15 minutes. You're going to have to forfeit. So we spread out and we looked around and we found this one guy who was sitting around by a backstop and he had like a mostly used up six pack of beer right by the side. Hey man, we like to play softball. Anyway, to make a long story short, almost every time up, he hit a home run. We won the only game of the season. And then we all went out to a bar drinking to celebrate. And although I've never won a, a championship in my life, that was the only time we ever really went out to drink and and, uh, and be happy about winning uh, a sporting event. So that's number one. And number two, again, nothing to do with my sports prowess. We always played basketball every Sunday at PS203. And in between games, if you know PS203, adjacent to the basketball courts is a handball court. And mm -hmm. there were always these two guys playing potable adjacent to our basketball game. And we used to watch, you know, and in between games, we would watch them play. Anyway, one time in between games, I was with my friend Jeff, and we went over there. You want to play? We had paddles. So we played them a game, and we took like a 7-2 lead. And I hit the ball over the wall accidentally, and my friend Jeffrey goes up over the other side. And he says, Michael, what, what's with these guys, right? They wanted to play some money. So uh, I said, don't worry. We're much better than them. So anyway, anyway, we'd come back, and we played them for money, and we beat them. So anyway, what they say? Double or nothing. So we thought they were uh, like hustling. But I knew that my friend Jeff and I were better than them. So we played them. And sure enough, we beat them again. And then they go double or nothing again. Anyway, to make a long story short, we took them for $60. $60 and we've never seen them again playing uh, paddle ball in that schoolyard again. Great <laughs> <laughs> story. Humiliating. Danny, you have something else for us? Yeah, sure. Like getting back a uh, couple of things. Am I muted? Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. So, so one of the things was I forgot to tell you sense of personal pride uh, in the swimming area. Uh, twice in high school, I qualified for the New York State Swimming Championships. Uh, I got eliminated in the first heat every time, but I did can say I qualified for the New York State Swimming Championships, and that's a sense of pride. The swimming thing also in a sense of pride is, hey, listen, you know, Mark Spitz, seven gold medals in swimming in Munich. As a Jewish guy going to, going to Munich, winning seven gold medals, big sense of pride for the Jewish community, I think. I, I never forget that, you know. That was, that was really great. Um, I, th those are the two really things about uh, swimming that I just forgot to add earlier. Um, you know, to save, I think back, there's a lot of things that I, I could talk about, you know, but, um, when you guys were talking about, uh, hustling, used to do that in bowling in high school. And, uh, we used to go around from bowling alley to bowling alley sometimes, but otherwise you used to hang out in your, in your own house. And the biggest mistake that you should, that anybody should make that wants to hustle, don't ever walk into somebody else's house and try to hustle people that are bowling there. Because this guy, Mike Reese, and I used to do it all the time. We used to play there and 
bowl bad almost on purpose. A couple of guys would come in and say, you want to bowl for money? We said, sure. We bowl for money. We took our own balls, put on our shoes, our gloves, and this and that, and beat the pants out of them. You know, don't ever make a contract in a, in a house that's not yours with people that you don't know. That was the way you're hustling bowling, you know. So um, we used to do that sometimes, you know. But uh, um, on the same type of thing, we used to bowl. At, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Acme Bowl in, yes. on the border of Little Neck and Great Neck on Northern Boulevard. It doesn't exist anymore. It was a really top house. 16 lanes, uh, went there one Friday night, uh, must have been 12, one o'clock in the morning, and we're going $10, you're talking about in high school, $10 a person in a pot, highest game takes the whole thing. I shot 256, didn't cash. You know, one guy shot 300, another guy shot 290, you know, uh, we walked out of there after that one game. <laughs> But uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the way I go. <laughs> Thank you for that. Ron, you have anything else to add? I'm no? good. I'm good. Thanks. How about Stephen L? Anything else? Yeah, I had a chance to meet Whitey Ford. Oh. And uh, I think the biggest thing was he was the chairman of the board of the Yankees. And I believe that his thought process was got him on top year after year. That's it. That's it. How about you, Milton? Give me anything else to add to us. Well, my wife and I used to take a lot of our vacations were based on tennis. And we played in Florida, California, upstate New York. Anyway, one time we were in Las Vegas and we had our rackets with us and we go over to Bally's where they had a very good tennis program. And Believe it or not, Barbara and I, we're beating anyone they could get to play us, even two men. So kidding around, I start telling the pro there who was in charge, you know, Agassi and Steffi Griff live in Las Vegas. So I says, get them here for us to play them. So the woman says, why don't you play me first? We said, okay. I, could, I think we made one point. I asked her afterwards, who are you? She says, I played in the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open. That's right. <laughs> Everything is really based, you know, on the level of competition. There is no way that just a Pox player can compete with even a teaching pro or a pro. But it was fun, you know, playing her. But she had me running all over the damn place. <laughs> you know, but it was fun. Thank you. Uh, Joe, did I give two times to you, Joe? Yep. You did too? How yep. you? Uh, well, uh, during the summers, before I went to sleepaway camp with just a few years, I would go, I don't know, it was like, it was probably just three or four summers, but I go to Franklin K. Lane Day Camp at uh, Franklin K. Lane High School. Anybody remember where that was in Queens? Yeah, Eldritch right. Lane, right? And uh, we play a lot of times. It, their uh, their back, their schoolyard would be this a group of it was all concrete, and we'd play uh, 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 mostly uh, punch ball because it was uh, concrete, and uh, it was just made for punch ball. 
So we're playing this one time and it's the last inning. The counselor said, this is it. We got to go in. It was late in the afternoon. We got to get the buses back, take you guys home. There's a run on base and our team is down a run. And there I am up at, up at, up oh, at the plate. Yeah, right. And I, you know, you, you, depending on, you know, how to a punch ball, either hit like that. Well, this time I put it way up in the air and I went like that. Okay. And I hit probably the best punch ball hit I've wow. ever hit. It went deep down. And of course, since there were a bunch of courts, it really went deep. And uh, the guy scored uh, in front of me uh, to tie the game. And I was just determined, determined to score the winning run. And I'm running around, running around, and I'm coming in. And the throw's coming in. I'm dead at the plate. The guy's standing there. He's got his feet, you know, across the base. And he's standing there. He's ready to tag me. And I guess he figures I'm going to, you know, barrel into him. And instead... I'm wearing, we were, I wasn't wearing shorts, I was wearing dungarees. I slid on the concrete oh, man. right between his legs. <laughs> and the counselor's right there and goes, safe. He says, let's go. And of course, the guy, they were so, the other team was so, wait a minute, you can't do that. The council says, well, there's no rules. There's no rules, anything. And the guy was so busy. He kept saying to me, you know, you were out now. You know how. I said, yeah, 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 right. But I'll, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that, that, you know, doing something like that and having the presence of mind to do that. Huh. And not ripping my pants. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I probably would have ripped mine. You know, we're at dungarees. That's the last time someone ever said dungarees. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, Michael K, you have anything else for us? Yeah, Roger just inspired uh, a pretty <laughs> rec camp recollection. <laughs> but I went to um, I, I went to um, I went to a Jewish camp that was known for 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 Jewish and Hebrew Hebrew culture. Um, it was a lot pretty serious, but we were also interested in in athletics, and we also had. An, intercamp experience one time where we traveled to some camp and they were basically Jewish camps, but, you know, we had this reputation of, we were the, um, I mean, culturally, we, we were immersed in Hebrew and, and Israel and whatever. Uh, and we had put on, we put on at night, this, um, what was really a very impressive, um, uh, pre presentation for all of the other groups, but the, the first part of the day, we, we played softball against, I guess, a combined team, and we we won something like fifteen to one, so we had athletic ability a little bit too. I wasn't terrific, but I just remember one one at bat. I think I hit the longest fly ball by far that I ever. I think the ball with the softball was juiced um, <laughs> for, for a triple, and we won something like fifteen to one, which at least demonstrated everyone we we may have. We may have been immersed in the Hebrew culture, but we weren't so bad when it came to sports also. That's it. Great. I would like to like be somewhere in a way back machine to see how people participated in sports, what you look like as a, <laughs> that would be interesting. Larry, you have anything else for us? I do have something. Oh, good. Okay. Another one of my, one of my, uh, anyway, 
I, I, my parents got me a new basketball, and we had a, a basketball court in the Houston Street Park, which was right around the corner. I bring the call, the ball on my three friends, and, and we're playing. A kid grabs my ball, and I grab it back, and I'm running. I want to get this ball home. I'm running and running, and I get finally to my house. I get in. The kid comes after me. He's banging on the door, and my friends come behind him with my ball. I had. <laughs> that was it. That's a great story. <laughs> Ron, did you go two times? Yes, I did. I, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. So everyone <laughs> my records here. Uh, if, if anyone wants to go one more time, we still have 25 minutes. Uh, Gerald, do you want to add something? Go ahead. Yes. When, when I was in junior high school, junior high school 74 in Oceana Street, it was the eighth grade. We had uh, an after school tournament among the different classes. Well, my class, four people showed up for the soccer match and our opposition had 16 people who showed up. So my fellow classmates said, well, we got to quit. I said, are you crazy? We're going to win this. I said, how could we do it? They have all that court coverage and we don't. I said, we're going to win this damn match. And sure enough, we did. I ran all over the court. I didn't dive, but I went all over the court. And somehow we beat 16 people versus four. That was a great accomplishment, I thought. Thank you. Anybody else want to add anything? Danny, you have something else you have? Yeah, uh, talking before, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who stands out as a personal hero, not necessarily a hero, who, who got me really interested in the Yankees uh, as I was growing up and really learning the game in the late 60s and stuff. And uh, oddly enough, a guy that to me was the really only real number 25 that I ever played for the Yankees, which is Joe Pepitone. Yeah. And uh, that's my 25. And uh, my, my brother-in-law, who fortunately passed away a few years ago, used to have season tickets. We used to go to many Yankee games, like 20 a year. Right now, Carol and I go to maybe four a year. Four a year. Uh, we would go every – before every game, we would have dinner at the NYY Steakhouse. He has his own knife. I have it at home, and I have my own personal knife over here as well. And um, many times you see a lot of – for, you know, the retired players playing there. So one time, one time I had dinner with, with Stewie and he's sitting back to back with Joe Pepitone. And I tell you, it's, you really learn the size of these guys, how big they are. You don't really, really realize it until you see them in person. Mm -hmm. He was on the, he was uh, a, a guest at a, at a, at a table uh, that was right in back of, in back of us. And he's a big talker. You know, he had his head of hair and the whole thing and talks with his hands a lot. I've never seen hands that big in my life, you know? But uh, it, it was fun just to be so like, you know, just a few feet away from him. And I, I didn't want to interrupt him or anything because he was really like, like, like a host of, a, of a, um, some sort of a corporate table. But um, it, it was nice to see him. But Joe Pepitone really, to me, is a real number 25. 
And uh, I just enjoy watching him, and that's how I got really into the, being a Yankee fan. Right. Did that's, you ever play with anybody else besides the Yankees? Any you guys know? Uh, yes. Did he? He played for Chicago and Houston. Right. Yeah. That's right. Right. Mm. I just read his biography. Oh, okay. Well, while I was talking, you read it so fast, huh? <laughs> Kenny, he was the first guy to bring a hairdryer. Right. To the yeah. Into the right. clubhouse. I remember a double header that they showed on TV against Chicago White Sox. And uh, they had uh, the knuckleballer there. And I, he won both games with, uh, with two walk-off home runs, Joe Pepitone, off of the knuckleballer. Oh, yeah, and after the game, he was interviewed and they talked about it. And he said, uh, when he came up to bat, he said, The first knuckleball that I see, I'm gonna hit it out of the park, and that's exactly what he did, you know. But it was easy, easy for him to talk about it after the fact, you know. So, <laughs> Fred, you want to say something? You're muted, yeah, you are muted now, you yeah. I mean, bas basketball was my was my sport, and I was a, pretty much of a, maybe a one dimensional player, a good sharpshooter. Me and my friends sometimes we'd go down to play in, in Manhattan Beach, where a lot of college players would come and play. One year, one day we wound up playing on the same team as a guy who was at Providence College, late, later played for the Knicks. But we were we were on the same team in a five on five game. With Mike Reardon. Mike Reardon. Yeah. yeah, it was just a wow. yeah, just you know at the time. He, he was hoping to be, you know, pro player, and he did wind up as a good, you know, decent bench yeah. player for the Knicks. But well, it was just a lot of fun playing basketball in Brooklyn in those days. Uh, did, did did he foul you, Fred? No, he was on the same team. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and I did, and I did, and I did win when I was in the forties a foul shooting contest at the Raleigh Hotel in the Catskills. <laughs> and I heard these kids with a bunch in the twenties saying. Saying, look, look at the old man shoot. I said, yeah, I, could, I still got it. I can still shoot. The Raleigh Hotel. <laughs> yeah. for four years. I worked in the Raleigh for four years. Did you? Talk about yeah. ball players who who, who, who seem to see in the street. Howie, yeah. do you remember when Art Heyman came to the park? Were you there when Art Heyman? Remember Art Heyman? Artie yeah, Heyman from Duke. I remember. And he played for, I believe he played for the Knicks too. Yeah. 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 Came, we, we went down to the park one day, which is around the corner from where Howie lived. I had to walk two, three. Yeah. Casino Park, Booth Memorial. There. And we always would go, we would shoot, and they play three on three. And we got yeah. there. It must have been a Saturday afternoon. And uh, we're there, and we see this unknown fella shooting and uh, playing three on three. And they said, that's, that's Art Heyman. Oh, we got next. We got next. Yeah. Tell me <laughs> again, Art Heyman. You weren't there. That you must have missed it, right? Yeah, I probably wasn't there. I would have remembered that. You know, Art Heyman, but I don't remember yeah, that. That was funny. I don't know what the hell he was doing down there, but uh, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> of course, um, I have two more real quick ones here. Um, Sharon brought up what brought me to a, to be a phys ed teacher. Well, yeah. when I was in eighth grade. I went to Campbell Junior High School, Campbell 218, which is on uh, Main Street next to John Bowne High School. Uh -huh. My phys ed teacher was a fellow named Joe Waltering, eighth grade phys ed teacher, Joe Waltering. Uh, I admired the guy. I'm sat in my squad, you know, like everybody else in our shorts, and we had our, our jock straps on you know, in those days, and we'd sit there. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I really admired this guy. What was I, 14 years old? I said, this guy, he must have been in his early 20s. I, I, you know, when, you, when you're 14, anyone older than you look like, well, he was older, but when you find out he's only in his 20s. I said, I really like what he's doing. And, uh, I, and through his being my teacher, I said, I want to one day be a phys ed teacher. And sure enough, this Joe Waltering was my inspiration to become a phys, phys ed teacher. And I found out later on that before he became a teacher, I went back and did some research on him. This is before the internet. I don't know how I found it, but I found out that Joe Waltering played basketball for Adelphi University. Mm. And sure enough, I went to Adelphi University. Oh, in the footsteps, Mark. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Sounds like it. I was not a great basketball player, but uh, baseball was my sport. So that's the one story on that. And then my childhood idols, believe it or not, was also Mickey Mantle. I guess everyone in New York, before the Mets were around, Mickey mm. Mantle uh, used to used to like imitate his batting stances, righty and lefty, and rooting every time he would come up, you'd want to see a home run. It's one of the few people, every time he came up, everyone stopped and watched and listened. Yeah. Uh, cheered. Eventually, yeah. they all cheered, no matter where he played. And I remember the biggest thing growing up was trying to get his baseball card. You'd buy pack after pack after pack. And I remember when I was 10, because this is the set, his baseball card, Mickey Mantle baseball card, was one of the hardest cards to get. And I was 10, and I had a buddy. This is in Brooklyn. I had a buddy who was like eight. And we would walk three or four blocks to the, the candy store and buy mm. cards. They were five cents a pack. I don't know mm. how many packs we would buy. How much money did you have when you were 10 or eight? And for some reason, this kid who was eight years old, I guess he wasn't a good reader. So he got Mickey Mantle. And I'm looking <laughs> over his shoulder. And I'm not saying anything. And, and what do you do in those days? I'll trade you. Right. I'll give you all my cards. Right. Of there with the <laughs> did he, he did it? Eight years old. What kind of education back in those days? Oh, so you were caught short. Caught no, it's take, yeah. Taking advantage of a kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boo. <laughs> By the way, his name is Stevie Glick. How many of our parents throw out throw out or our baseball cards and comics? Right. Comics, right. yes, baseball yeah. cards I have. Yeah. yeah. And I also like Frank Gifford in, in football, believe it or not. Yeah. I used to love yeah. number 16. And uh, I, I use number 16 quite a bit. Who else? Anyone else have any else story? Yeah, Mark, when you, oh, when you flip them. When you flip the cards, did yeah. you do it by letters or off the wall or just flip them with your hand? Both. Both. Yeah. We both. did both. Both. Heads, both. Tails. both. Heads or tails. We'll scale them against the wall. Right. Yeah. Right. And the crummy cards you put in your spokes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. One more, one more right. story. Yep. Very interesting. This is about 1975. I'm at a baseball game sitting with a bunch of my friends in the bleachers. We often took the bleachers so we could have a couple of beers and enjoy. And as a kid, all the people in the bleachers, there's he one told you 75. Six rows down in front. He's got a suit and a hat like they wore at baseball games in the 30s. 
And I don't know what made me do it, but I stood up and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Connie Mack. <laughs> and the whole bleachers were clapping for Connie Mack, who was probably dead about 10 years by then. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> yeah, Mark, just to piggyback on your, your baseball stories, uh, I think it was one year, must have been early 70s. Uh, I think I needed about, you know, two cards. One was a checklist, which I sent a whole bunch of rappers in to get, you know, get all the checklists. I needed one card and it's already Halloween, you know, and there was always one house in the neighborhood where the woman sold or gave out base packs of baseball cards and stuff. So lo and behold, I needed really? Jim Willoughby, who was, you know, this oh. non nondescript Giants Red Sox reliever, and he was in the pack. Wow. And for me, you know, you're screaming in the neighborhood. That's all about, you know, I completed the whole thing, which was 600 some odd cards or something. You know? Right. That's what was important back then. Yeah, yeah I have a good one. Uh, this is about maybe one of my greatest days at Yankee Stadium. Our daughter was working for Mitch Modell. Uh, she was an attorney for Modell's. So uh, we would get to uh, a lot of the games. So we got tickets for a Yankee game. And of course, with the special tickets, we parked in their lot and we walked in with the players. We actually walked in with Frank Torrey and we went into their, I guess, the top special restaurant and we ate there. And then when we got to the seats, you ever went to uh, Yankee Stadium? I don't know how it is in, in the newer stadiums, but back in those days, the four seats that you would always see behind the screen were the four seats owned by Mitch Modell. So those were the seats that we were sitting at, and you couldn't use your uh, cell phone because they don't want you to see that you're uh, looking uninterested. So you have to keep your cell phone away. And those were the four really greatest seats we've ever had. Now, if you ever go to a Yankee game around the seventh inning after the uh, the um, uh, stick taking out to the ball game, they play a song called Cotton Eye Joe. And, and if you go to a Yankee game, that's what they play. So I have a special dance. I call it the, the finest shuffle. And it's like similar to Super Sales, a Soupy Shuffle. So I got yeah. up and I started doing that to the uh, tune of uh, Cotton Eye Joe. And there I was on the big jumbotron and everybody was cheering me on. And uh, that's my one of my top favorite stories being at Yankee Stadium. You want there like, is a dance. Remember Disco there, Joe? I, there is a dance, Cotton Eye Joe. Actually, there is a dance to Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. I, used it, right? I used to be an avid Hebrew folk right dancer. And we did it, good it every it. time. Always dance to Cotton Eye Joe. And yeah. he also. Ketone Bomo. Yeah. Come to a game with me. You'll see me do it. <laughs> Ron, you want to think? Yeah, I just got one quick story. I was with Justin at a Ranger game. I forgot how many years ago. Roger knows this story. <laughs> okay. The person who works for the garden comes up to me and says, would you be interested in doing between periods on the ice a, a competition? I said, sure. Why not? Justin and I go downstairs. I was actually in, I don't know if anybody has ever seen the human puck race. No? Mm -hmm. Okay. You dress up in this big styrofoam, like hockey puck. <laughs> with, with special, they put these special shoes, like things on your feet to wrap around your sneakers. And you race around the ice until you get to a certain point. Then you got to pick up the puck, a puck that's laying there and drop it in the bucket and then go to the finish line. Well, out of the three contestants, I won. Huh. Of course, on the way, 
to picking up the puck. I hip checked the guy out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) And actually then went across the finish line. There is actually a DVD of this. Rochester, they played it at Justin's. They played it without me knowing it. They played it at Justin's Bar Mitzvah. Okay. And now the strange thing is back then I got the, all I got was like a little bag with a photo and a a fake puck or whatever for winning. So last year we're at a hockey game and they had the same human puck raise. And you know, the prize was a seven day freaking cruise. Seven days first. I think they still have the DVD, Ron. All, yeah, all in the timing, Ron. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. If only. Anybody <laughs> else have a quick story? Down the oh, line? I got. Uh, Howie. I got one. I mean, this 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 was when I was like about forty years old. Uh, I was uh, between marriages and living out here in San Francisco, the East Bay. My mom was coming in. Uh, uh, not in Oakland, she was coming in SFO, so we were driving to pick her up, and she happened to come in on the same day as the Gay Liberation Parade that day. Oh. That's that's done every day, and we're it's in San Francisco. We go pick her up, and I go, oh, forget about it. We'll never get across the bridge back to the East Bay. I said, let's go to... Uh, uh, Pier 39. And for those of you who don't know what Pier 39 mm. is, oh, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's like an amusement area right on the bay of where you where next door to it, you can get uh, the uh, tours to Alcatraz all right. uh, and all. And mm. we go to Pier 39 and we go to some place to eat and we're about to get online to get something and we're about to sit down and my son hits me and says, isn't that Joe Montana? And I take a look, and sure enough, and Milton was talking about how big these players are, and it's Joe and Jennifer Montana and two of their little kids. I think the third one wasn't even born yet. <coughs> and they're both giants. I mean, really very tall. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, do you want to ask him for an autograph? And he says, no, 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 I don't want to bother him at all. And then my, my daughter also. So we, we go sit down and we're very excited and we sit down and right behind us, the Montanas sit down to eat and they're right there, you know, and we're so excited and we're whispering and my mother, who's totally oblivious to sports, says, what are you talking about? I said, it's Joe Montana's. For here, and so she piped up. Who's Joe Montana? <laughs> <laughs> we did not we'll turn around. <laughs> sorry, very good. Sorry. Okay, we got about five minutes. Anybody else have a story? Milton, I see. Uh, a, a what, what years did you play baseball for uh, Adelphi? Uh, 68, 69, and seventy. Yeah, it was later, but one of the best ball players to ever play for Adelphi was later the announcer for the Mets inside the stadium, uh, uh, Alex Anthony. He was doing all the announcing up till two years ago. He still does the Islanders and uh, the Ra- the Islanders, but he used to be the announcer in house for the uh, Mets. But he was a terrific baseball player for Adelphi, and I think 
some other leagues afterwards. And no, and no. Interesting. Um, uh, Fred? Yeah, just a story about meeting someone. I remember two days after Hurricane Sandy, my wife and I went, we, we went for lunch at Tavern 18 on Union Turnpike. And we sit down for lunch. And so the next table comes in, sits with, with Luke Conaseca. He comes so in and introduced, I, I had to introduce myself to him. And, and a very nice guy said, you know, my son went to St. John's, was the sports editor of the school paper, but couldn't, nicest guy, you, you know, you, you, could, you could want, really nice guy. So he asked me my son's name, says, Larry Fleischer, he says, wait, you related to the guy who was, who was the NBA player agent, you know, he had the same name? He said, no, but just a really nice guy. I remember I asked him, he loved the butternut squash soup. <laughs> it's a great it's idea. Well, you know, I mean, uh, starstruck. You know, you know, meeting different uh, athletes. I, I also, I also once met at a diner. I don't know if you guys know, but HBO had a had a you know when they did boxing, they, they had a guy. His name was Harold Letterman, who was sure. yeah. So he was sitting at the next table. He had he was wearing a shirt that says HBO boxing, and and I said, my wife, this guy's somebody. And then when I heard him talk, I said. This is, this is. I said, "Are you Howard, Harold Letterman?" This is the this is in hand, the Bon Vivant Diner down in the down in the village, and he starts talking to me about all these fights that are upcoming, and do I really, you know, follow boxing? He's just also a nice guy. He was a, really a pharmacist by trade. Interesting, Joe. Yeah, Joe. No, I used to I used to run into Carnesecca uh, at Lulu's Bakery in uh, in Fresh Meadows. Says he lives right over there. Yeah. And he was a really nice guy. One time I got an autograph for my friend's kid who had broken his leg. He was very gracious about it. Yeah. Most of these stars wouldn't mind giving you the autograph if there was you know, yeah. a lot of people around. It's like Karnaseka, he was very down to earth, Karnaseka. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Very, yeah. Is he still around? Oh, yeah. 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 Over yeah. 90. He's just over 90 something in January. Wow. He's still alive, though. All right, boys. I'm going to. Uh, uh, you're nice out. Show. Nice show. Nice yeah, show. Nice show. Good show. Good show. Good show. There's only girl in this. Tonight. What's that? Oh, that's right, boys. Boys and girls. Boys and girls. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the draft, the NBA, the NFL draft. The draft. Yeah, we can prepare. Yeah. yeah. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Right. Happy yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. I can't believe the, it. it's been one year. Thank you. The beginning. Yeah. Welcome to Welcome New York, Zach. All right. Hi, everybody. See you next week. Go on. Excellent show. Stay safe, everybody. As always. The 49 is going to take Howie. Great show. I know. What's the latest rumor out there? Bye-bye, boys. Adam Rogers. I got to say my trivia question. I have a trivia question. 